Bless the Lord. We thank the Lord for uh, everybody dialing in tonight. Amen. We bless the Lord for our benefits. We thank the Lord for the uh, nice weather that we had today. It was a little bit warmer than uh, than what it's been. So it's a little change up to be able to get out a little bit and uh, enjoy the weather. Amen. We're going to continue in our uh, series, Intelligent Faith, in the book of Colossians. We call it Intelligent Faith. And we'll continue in the book of Colossians. We stopped at uh, verse 13 of the first chapter. So that's where we'll pick up tonight. Colossians chapter 1, and we'll begin at verse 13, and we'll continue on until our time ends. Father God, we thank you tonight for another chance, Holy Father, to look into your word. We thank you for all your many blessings you have showed upon your people. We thank you for health and strength. We thank you for being God and God all by yourself. We thank you for everything you've done for us, everything you're doing for us, everything you're going to do for us. We thank you for keeping us healthy, Holy Father, in a right state of mind. We just want to thank you for all things. Holy Father, lead us through the path of your word tonight. Give us spiritual understanding and insight. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 1. And we'll start at verse 13. Now, what, what Paul picks us up tonight is uh, he begins to explain about the uh, in, incomparable Christ. The incomparable Christ. And he begins uh, in verse 13 explaining how Christ is everything we need. Christ is all the God that can be God. And he's going to take us and dive us into that beginning at 13. But before we go there, I would like to read a little bit from one of A.W. Tozer's books. This book is called The Knowledge of the Holy. The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. And this chapter is called God Incomprehensible. God Incomprehensible. And I'll read a couple paragraphs of this. He writes, When the Spirit would acquaint us with something that lies beyond the field of our knowledge, He tells us that this thing is like something we already know. But He is always careful to phrase His description so as to save us from slavish literalism. For example, when the prophet Ezekiel saw heaven open and beheld visions of God, he found himself looking at that which he had no language to describe. What he was seeing was wholly different from anything he had ever known before. So he fell back upon the language of resemblance. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire. But the nearer he approaches to the burning throne, the less sure his words become. And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne and the appearance of a sapphire stone. 
and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above it. And I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire round about within it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Strange language as it is, he continues. It still does not create the impression of unreality. One gathers that the whole scene is very real, but entirely alien to anything men know on earth. So, in order to convey an idea of what he sees, the prophet must employ such words as likeness, appearance, as it were, and the likeness of appearance. Even the thrones become the appearance of a throne. And he that sits upon it, though like a man, is so unlike one that he can be described only as the likeness of the appearance of a man. God is not like anything that is. God is not like anything that is. End quote. The same way A.W. Tozer, Tozer <clears throat> was helping us to realize that there's so much to God that it's hard to explain Him. It's hard to understand His, His fullness and His power and His greatness. And we only have the weak human vocabulary to try to describe an infinite God. But Thankfully, Paul helps us to go even a little bit further tonight in describing him. Verse 13. He says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Let's read on in 14. In whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Now here, in these two verses, Paul describes our past deliverance. But notice he says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness. He, he, he delivered us from the domain of darkness, from living in sin and from being controlled by sin and being controlled by the devil and all the passions of darkness. He rescued us from that when he saved us. Notice past tense. And, trans and transferred us, also past tense, to the kingdom of his beloved son. To the kingdom of his beloved son. And that's, he takes us to our present state. Once he transferred us from this dark kingdom, we are now transferred into the kingdom of his son. That's our present state. We may not feel all the time like, like we're saved. We may not always feel like uh, we're in, in, in spiritually in control. We may not always feel like we're, we're, we're uh, in the right relationship with God. But once God saved us, it's a reality now. It's a present thing now. As we go on to perfection, 
and go on to sanctification, we know that the work that Christ did on the cross is a past tense thing, and we now live in the presence of his kingdom. 14, he says, for we have, notice, we have it right now. We have redemption, which is the forgiveness of sin. We have it now. All of our sins, all of our sins have been redeemed. All of our sins have been washed away by the blood of Christ. We don't have to uh, uh, weep and mourn over our past sins. We don't even have to weep and mourn to the extent, you know, that that we were never saved. We, we ask, well, if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, but the whole lump of sin has already been removed and our souls are saved. But we just need to work towards salvation to bring these bodies under the subjection of the Holy Spirit. Now, watch it. Watch it. This is not my language. This is the language of the Apostle Paul. He used past and present tense language. So we know that the things were done and that we're living in this state now. Verse 15. And remember, he's, he's, he's letting the Colossians know where they have come from to where they are. He don't want them to go back. That's why he's rehearsing these things to them now. Sometimes we need these things rehearsed in our ears so we don't go back, so we don't lose hope, so we don't let go of our faith. Verse 15, he begins to describe the incomparable Christ. Now, verse 15 through verse 20 is known as a hymn. It's a hymn that sings the praise of Jesus' Lordship over all creation. You will notice some of the key words in, in verses 15 through 20. Him, He, Himself. Because these uh, 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 false teachers will try to come into the Christian church and, and mess up the saints and, and mess up the teaching, Paul was just letting them know everything we need is in Christ. Nobody else has to bring anything new. Nobody else has to teach a new doctrine. Everything that we need is in Christ. He says in verse 10, He, He, Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, we're going to jump around from verse 15 through 20. We're not going to go in order. We may jump from 15 to 17 and 18 and back to 20. We're just going to jump around a little bit, but we'll, we'll, we'll hit all the verses. Now, he says here in verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, you see that word, firstborn of? That word should be replaced with over. He's the firstborn of over all creation because notice it, it was just an a, a, a error in translation and now remember the translation is not inspired the commas are not inspired 
and the sentence structure is not inspired. Those are just the words you said. But the word of should be replaced with the word over. Because if we say he was the firstborn of all creation, that would mean that God was created at some point. To say that. But the proper reading is he's the firstborn over all creation because he's over it all. He there was there was never no beginning to him. There was never there would never be an ending to him. He's the alpha, the beginning, and he he's the omega. He's the end. So he was there when you were born. He's going to be there when you die. He was there before the first, when he created the stars. He'll be there when this earth goes down in flames and it's translated. He has no beginning. His beginning was not in Bethlehem, in a manger, with the, in the barn. Mm-mm. That wasn't his beginning. Huh? That was just his fleshly beginning of coming into flesh. But he he's over all creation. And Paul had to reemphasize it to the Colossians because these false teachers were coming in with all these other teachings saying other mystical things and looking in the stars and the galaxies and the astrology and just starting to mess things up. So Paul said, no, no, no. He's over all. He uses the word firstborn, which sometimes the word could be misleading too, if you don't look at it in depth. Not it's been born, but that means he's the beginning, he's the head, he's first. He has the preeminence over all things. The preeminence over all things. One writer said, he is very man, a very man. And very God, a very God. So you can't be no more human, neither could you be no more God if you're very God and very man. See? He's the first, he's just overall. Now another thing in this hymn between verses uh, 15 and 20, within these verses it also describes six realms in which Christ is supreme over. Six realms, six different realms. It shows in these verses that Christ is supreme over these realms. Now the first realm that it shows that he's supreme over is the realm of eternity. The realm of eternity Christ is supreme over. Look at, we're going to look at... Verse a piece of verse 15 and a piece of verse 17 to check this realm out. Verse 15 in the eighth volume it says he is the image of the invisible God. Image. Keyword image. Now, if he's the image, that means he's equal to the Father. He's equal to the Father. See? There's there's no lesser God just because he's God the Son. There's no lesser uh, uh, God in himself because he came in the flesh. He is the image. 
the same way if you would take a, a, a piece of metal and take, take it and, and, and press the image of a George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, that's their express image. That's what he's letting us know out here. He is the image when, like Jesus told his disciples, Philip, them. Philip, have I been so long time with you and you still don't know me? He said, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He is the image, the express image of the Father. Now, jump down to verse 17. Probably we're going to move around a little bit. Look where he says, He is before all things. See how he's supreme over, etern- over eternity? Because it says right there, He's before all things. That means he's co-eternal with the Father. If he's before all things, uh, so before the world he was there, before the galaxy he was there, before, the, before all things he was there. So we see that he's before eternity. Then the second thing that Christ is supreme over is creation. He's supreme over creation. So we don't have to refer to the uh, 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 books, science books, none of that stuff. The scripture says he's supreme over all of creation. Let's go back to verse 15. Let's look at the word where it says he was the firstborn over all creation. Now, he's not a creature. He's the creator. So he was the firstborn over all creation. You can't be over creation if you were created. How is the potter, how is the pot, the clay going to say to the potter, what does that? We can't say that to God. We can't say that to Christ because He is the Creator. He's the head. We are the branches. He's the 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 the, the Father, and we are His children. He's over all creation. There's nothing before him. And now let's look, look, let's jump down to verse 16. Look what it says. For by him all things were created. See? By him all things were created. If you can see it, God had a part in creating it. Well, man created that. Uh... Man worked with the materials that God created so it could be created. And then the materials that man is working with, God created the man that's working with the materials that God had created for the created man. He had created all things. For by him, all things were created. Let's read on verse 16. What do you mean by all things, okay? Both things in in the heavens and on earth. Both things heavenly and things on the earth. Things terrestrial. 
So you go as far as you can look up into the sky and see the moon, the stars, the galaxies. He created everything in heaven. Everything up there, he created. We don't have to wonder. I know science books and scientists tell us different things, but the scripture says everything in the heavens were created by him. Look down here on earth. From the dirt to the things that say they say uh, we came from uh, the dirt molecules and different uh, 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 genes. God created it all. Everything on the earth was created by Christ. And don't don't only stop there. Then he goes on to say the things that you can see, visible and invisible. This also lets us know that just because you can't see it don't mean it's not real. A lot of people like to uh, uh, attach the word ghost to things that they can't see. I don't believe in ghosts. Well, it don't have to be a ghost. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not real because scripture says that the visible and the invisible. See, our because our eyes, our human eyes, they were only created to see other visible things, other tangible terrestrial things. Uh, they weren't created to see into the spiritual world. The only way we can see into the spiritual world is God opens up our spiritual eyes. But these human eyes, human eyes is not going to see into the other world. There is another world that we cannot see. Huh? Visible and invisible. They said dogs can sense spirits and things we can't see. Well, why can't they? They're there. They're real. They're more so real than the things we can't see. You know why? Because the things we can't see it's all subject to decay, rust, mold, and death. Everything you can see, if, if God allows time, it's going to either decay, it's going to rust out, it's going to disintegrate, or it's going to die. But what's in the spiritual world can never die again. Well, how come it's not real just because you can see? And notice he goes to describe, he goes deeper into this spiritual world. He goes, he's over these things, whether they're thrones, dominions, or rulers, or authorities. Look what he said. Now, you know what this describes? Thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities. These describe the angelic beings. And the spiritual world that we can't see. That's what those thrones and mean authorities. That's what they describe. Because there are, just like in the military, you got these private PFC, the land corporate, the corporate sergeant, different ranks. There's different ranks in the heavenly, in the spiritual world too. Thrones, dominions, authorities, and power in the spiritual world too. That, and he said Christ is over all of that. All of the demons, all the spirits, whatever level, whatever area, 
They work in crisis over that. That's why it's so important that we be connected to Christ, that we be connected to the vine. If we're connected to the vine, then he keeps us covered from all those things we can't see. He keeps us protected, and he'll lead us around where we shouldn't be or where we shouldn't go or where we should be or where we should go through by his spirit. Nothing they can do to us can harm us or hurt us when we are in Christ. That's the in Christ mentality that Paul oftentimes refers to. We are in Christ. Be in Christ. It's more than a clever cliche. It's the actual way of life. Now let's jump down to the uh, 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 bottom of that verse. I mean, I'm sorry, let's jump down to verse 17. Verse 17. We're going to jump down to verse 17. Look what it says. The, the B clause of 17. We're still talking about how he's supreme over creation. It says, And in him all things hold together. See? In him all things hold together. Now, if it wasn't for Christ, <laughs> we would all go floating out in space because gravity wouldn't hold us no more. See? In him all things hold together. The stars will fall from heaven. The moon will cease to shine. The, well, the moon will cease to reflect the light of the sun and the sun will cease to shine. Mm-hmm. The earthquakes and, the, and all the fountains of the deep will just bust through the earth and all the, the waters in the earth will meet the waters in the heaven. It will be total chaos. But he holds all things together. The same way, you know, the same way, you know you women. You know the same way you put on those girdles and hold it all in? And then, and, and then as you can all, you, you can't wait to take that girdle off. <laughs> Let it all hang out. He holds it. He, in him, all things hold together. And don't you ever forget it. I don't care what the brightest minds say, what the sharpest minds say. He holds all things together. Let's find a parallel scripture to support that. St. John chapter 1. St. John chapter 1 and verse verse 3. St. John chapter 1 and verse 3. The parallel scripture we can find and go to see what John says about it. John says, John 1 3, look what he said. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that had come into being. Look at that. Let's find another parallel scripture. Hebrews. The Hebrew writer said it. In a similar way. Hebrews 1. 
Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the A clause. When I say A clause, that means the first part of verse 3. If I say the B clause, that means the second half of that verse. So we're going with Hebrews 1, verse 3, at the A clause. And it reads, And he is the radiance of his glory. And the, look, and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. See? All things. Everything that's created is upheld by Christ. The third thing that Christ is sovereign over, supreme over, it has the preeminence over, is the church. The church. Look at verse 18. What does 18 say? Colossians. We're back at Colossians now. Verse 18. What does it say? It says, He is also head of the body, the church, and He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. See, he's the, he's the head of the body. We are his body, the church. I know well, a lot of things that a lot of uh, Catholics may believe that the uh, Pope is is uh, the head of the church. Mm-mm, he's human. He is the head of the body, his church. Some of them say the um, Archbishop, this one and that one, this one, no, no. He is the head of the body, the church. And we are baptized into his body by the Holy Spirit. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we become a part of his body. As if a newborn baby taking the first breath, coming into the world, coming into life. When we receive his spirit, at the moment that we're saved, we are transferred, as he said in the beginning of this chapter, transferred into the kingdom of his son, which is his church and his body. He rules it. He controls it. So that's why when we do the Lord's work, it must be done his way. He's the shepherd of our soul. He's the bishop of our souls. We're all under shepherds. We're all stewards. We're all ministers. Whatever place we find in the church, we're under him. This is his body. He says what goes through by his word. He leads through by his spirit. And we'll be all the wiser to follow his lead. Just like we're doing tonight, going through the scriptures. So we'll know how to conduct ourselves in the household of God, which is the church, which is his body. It's more than just saying that we're part of a church building. Brick, stone, mortar, wood, the building. But we are his body, the church. Help one another. That's why Jesus said, oh, no, we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry about 
all the churches going down, okay? Uh, 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 they think because of the coronavirus, we can't congregate like we used to in a church building. Oh, I don't know. You know, we are the body. We are the church. And the scripture, the gates of thou Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we don't have to worry about the church going down and the church not being the church, because the church is marching on. The church is going to be victorious. The church is going back with Jesus when he returns. It's not about the buildings. It's not about uh, 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 the cathedrals. It's, that's just where we go to worship. That's why it's so important now when, when we have to be at home, have to stay at home, and we can't come together like we would to have the church in us and know how to worship, pray, get in the word for ourselves because we are the church. It's like a true testing ground trying us out to see can you stand on your own two feet As, 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 as been being the church. I just can't make it. I just can't make it. I just got to see you. I got to, I just feel like I got to see you and hear you. Can you see Christ? Can you feel him in you? The hope of glory. We are his body. This must sink in. He is the head. He's our head. We take our instructions from him. Number four. He is supreme over the resurrection. He's supreme over the resurrection. Back at verse 18 again, it says, look, he's the first, he's the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn from the dead. What's that saying to us? That 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 means he he was the first one to be resurrected bodily. He was the first one to lay his human body down in the grave and to resurrect that same body back up in a glorified state. Well, 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 well somebody said, no, no, he wasn't the first one. Remember Lazarus? No, Lazarus wasn't resurrected. Lazarus was resuscitated. Hmm? That's a difference. When when the Lord breathed breath back into Lazarus, Lazarus got up in the same body. And then Lazarus eventually died again. And that old body went to back to corruption. But the body that Jesus got up in, that was a resurrected body. As he went down one way, he came up a different way. In a glorified body. And we all have that to look to. Being resurrected. In a glorified body. Being changed. Our mortal putting on immortality. Our corruption laying down to incorruption. Huh? We all have that to look to. When Christ returns. For his church. The true body. Talk is cheap. 
We're talking, we're talking resurrection stuff. We're talking about things you can't see type of stuff. Huh? First, number five. He's supreme over redemption. He's supreme over redemption. Verse 20. What is verse 2? We skipped verse 19, but we're coming back to it. Verse 20. He's supreme over redemption. Look how. Verse 20 says, And through him, look, to reconcile. Huh? Who's that? To reconcile. That's such a good word, reconcile. To reconcile all things to himself. What does that word reconcile mean? It means to restore to friendship or harmony. To restore to friendship or harmony. But you know, when man, when Adam sinned, all of humanity sinned. Adam got out of friendship with God. The scripture says that the Spirit of God and Adam used to walk in the garden daily. And, 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 and communicate and have friendship. But when Adam sinned, that communication was broken. That, that friendship was broken because God cannot be in fellowship with sin. So that relationship was broken. And in Adam, all humanity after him was also out a fellowship with God. We were no longer friends with God. We were at odds with God. We are, were enmity to God. And we became his enemies through sin. And there was no mediated band between. Nobody like a lawyer that could go and, and, and stand on our behalf and speak to God and then God speak to him come out. Mm-hmm. Nothing in the heavens, nothing below the heavens, nothing uh, in the first and second heavens could do it. So when Jesus came and died, and slipped his brush precious love for us, he restored the relationship. And he reconciled us back to God. Hmm? And made us friends again. And, and, and put us back in harmony with God. See what he did? Then what else it says? Look, now, 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 having made peace, it's a done deal. Through his blood. Having made peace. See, we, we, were, we were at our, we needed peace. Let's open the exchange. Good tidings, good will, peace to all men. When they sang when the Lord Jesus was born. It's more than a song. We were at odds. We didn't have peace. I don't believe a lot of the, this world knows what true peace really is. He made peace. That's why so many people are doing drugs. They're buying fast cars, loose women, loose men. They're doing everything to keep keep busy, keep their mind. They don't have no peace. But he made peace between God and us so we can have peace. 
is we get the relationship right. If we come into Christ and let him transfer us into the kingdom of his son, we will have a part of that peace. Yeah, some things may trouble and disturb our peace sometimes, but we can go back to that peace because it's forever with us. The winds may blow, the storms may come, but we'll still have that peace on the inside. He made peace. I must move on. Where did he make this peace at? He made it through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Wow. See? Whether things on earth or things in heaven. He needed to make this peace. And, 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 and he needed the, uh, things to be reconciled. Well, it says he reconciled all things. Now, it says things on earth and things in heaven. Well, we know the things on earth that needed reconciling. Us humans, as I just described, we needed reconciling. Nature also needs reconciling. He said all things. Nature too. Didn't scripture say that the earth travails and groans waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God? Don't you know how beautiful the earth used to be? Before we start building factories that spew out toxic fumes and spit chemicals into our drinking water. Don't you know how many beautiful flowers and animals that have gone extinct because of man's corruption and sin? The whole earth travails and grows with pains of, of, a, of a birth pains, waiting for the manifestation, waiting for the revelation, waiting for God to come and transform us, the sons and the daughters of God into his own glory then the earth will spring forth in blood but as it did before the bible says this earth shall pass away and a new earth shall come oh yeah the earth and nature needs reconciling too because sin messed it up uh, sin is just like putting too much salt in your soup huh you know when you have too much salt because it messed up the whole pot. You just can't eat it. It's too salty. You lost your job. And you know if you don't have enough, you can still eat it. But when there's too much salt, <laughs> throw it out. She didn't mess it up every time. And it says, because it says that he reconciled all things to himself, he said he reconciled things in heaven too. Like like that like the like the young man said on different strokes. We talk about Willis. What things in heaven need to reconcile? Yeah, that's what it says. He said, and things in heaven. Hmm? Okay, let's let's find a supporting scripture for things in heaven that needs reconciling and that needs redemption. Okay, Hebrews chapter nine. Hebrews chapter nine, put on your thinking cap Hebrews chapter nine. What? Heaven needs reconciling? What it says. 
Hebrews 9 and 23. Look what it says. Now up to verse 23, the Hebrew writer is explaining how the blood of goats and rams and those patterns that the Hebrews used to use for atonement and lamb things and sacrifice. He was explaining how these things were used to be a pattern to wash away the sins of those of us on earth. But verse 23 explains about some things in heaven that also need washing. So look at verse 23. It says, Therefore it was necessary for the copies of the things in the heavens to be cleansed with these. And once again, he's referring to turtle doves, lambs, and the things that we use on earth to cleanse sin back in the uh, Levitical days. But this is the portion I want you to see. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Or in other words, the heavenly things needed to be cleansed with better things than goats, animals, and turtle doves. They needed the blood of Christ, a better sacrifice than cleanse what was in heaven. Well, we may have but what needed to be clean in heaven. Didn't, fear, didn't Satan begin his rebellion in heaven? Didn't Satan uh, carry out third of the angels with him in his rebellion in heaven? I will speculate no further. Things in heaven needed to be reconciled as well. That's what the blood of Jesus did. Now the sixth thing and the sixth and final realm that these verses show us that Christ is supreme and sovereign over is everything. Verse 18. Let's go back to verse 18 again. And it says, the last part of verse 18, the because of 18 says, he himself will come to have first place in everything. 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 So if you can think it, he has, he's sovereign over it. He's supreme over it. Everything. First place in everything, things big, things small, things past, future and present. Everything means everything. Verse 19. Then he goes and talks about Christ's poorness. Verse 19 says, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. It was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness. Now, now this verse, set your mind, set your mind. Now, go go back. Now, you remember when uh, back in the day where where we had a sect of Christians that used to say. We're Jesus only people. We're Jesus only. No, no, not the Father. Oh, Jesus only. And then you had a sect of people that would say, you ain't baptized right if you was baptized in the name of the Father 
and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Because you were baptized in titles. No, you've got to get baptized over again in the name of Jesus. Remember those guys? Those guys? And what about those, you remember, uh, they used to say, you know, uh, the first day of Venice and, and seventh, I'm sorry, seventh day? What, what those sects were doing, they were dividing up the divinity of Christ. They were, they were saying that, uh-uh, no, no, he's only God in this portion of it. And if you give him that title, he's not God, but this, this verse settles all of that. Look what it says. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness <laughs> to dwell in him. All of it. Every part of God that you could think about is in Christ. Huh? All the fullness. That means that Christ contains and represents all that is God. You can't be no more God than Christ. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in them. Huh? All the fullness. The living, Bible, the living Bible says it this way. For God wanted all of himself to be in his son. You like that? You like that? I'm going to read that again. I like that one. The living Bible says God wanted all of himself to be in his son. <laughs> Just like John the writer said, he said, if you deny the son, you deny the father. If you deny the Father, you deny the Son. So let's do away with all those isms and schisms and say Christ is all we need. Huh? If, if I get baptized, if, if somebody gets baptized in the name of Christ, he's baptized in the name of God. Huh? Because it's all in him. It's all in him. All the fullness. Now, you know, remember the scripture where it says when Jesus was baptized in Jordan by John? One preacher said it this way. When Jesus was in the water, God the Son was in the water. And then the scripture lets us know that then there's a, a dove came from heaven set upon Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit. See? Now God the Holy Spirit showed up. Didn't the scripture also let us know then the voice of the Father spoke from heaven said, this is my beloved son and who I'm well pleased. Then God the Father showed up. He said he had God on top of God, on top of God, on top of God. <laughs> A lot of that's a lot of God. That's the only God. They're all in Because all the fullness of God dwells in Him. Lord, teach us to tap into this fullness of power. This power that's in you. Teach us that it's, teach us that it's done through holiness. It's the only way we can tap into this fullness of God. It's through holiness. 
through holiness. That's the only way. And I'm not talking about long white dresses and, and your hair white on your head. And, 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 and I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about through holiness. I'm talking about through the spirit. I'm talking about making a connection with God through holiness. Sanctification. Teach us, Lord, to give up our sinful desires that we may enter into your fullness. Paul moves on to verse 21. Verse 21 and 22, Paul shifts. And he starts making things a little more personal here. It makes them more personal because he uses the pronoun you. Huh? Verse 20, 20, verse 21 and 22. He, 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 was formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. Who? Who's talking about? I remember when I went to the eye doctor the last time I went, and he said, uh, <laughs> he just kept on uh, asking me the same questions. Seemed like he kept on, I can't, can you see it? Can you see it? And I was squinting so much so, my head started turning a little bit, I couldn't see it. She's like, every time you flip, I'm waiting for the big words to come. He gets smaller and smaller. And I thought, I can't see that. I just can't see it. And then he flipped on another set of lenses. Can you see that? Can you see that? I'm squinting so bad, my eyes got the water. No, sir, I cannot see that. He said, well, Mr. Morrison, he said, come with age. You're going to eventually need some bifocals. I looked over my shoulder. No, for some ass in the room. Who are you talking to? Bifocals. Uh, hey, he was talking to me. You know, like the the, the uh, basketball players and the he used to say the crowd used to say when the basketball made a, a, a mistake. You, 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 you. That's that's what Paul is saying. You was formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. My man my was hostile with this God. Mm-hmm. Not only my mind, my body, my evil, my evil deeds were hostile against God, and, 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 and they needed reconciling. See, that's what we used to be. But some people don't think they, they never uh, uh, needed reconciling. They think they, they, they came out of the womb sanctified, holy, huh? You, if you if you believe them, but Paul said we all our minds wasn't right and our deeds were evil. You can't do right with a messed up mind. You can't put on a clean suit and have dirty hands. So our deeds were messed up in our mind. But he reconciled it. He fixed it. And I'm gonna stop at verse twenty-two. He says, yet he had now, now reconciled you 
in his fleshly body through death. See? It's a different story now. It's a different story. In order, why did he do this? In order to present you before him holy. He did this so he can present us before him holy. And because he is the only holy one, that means he he did it so we could be like him. We can't be holy like him in the mud hole, in the in the pig pen. We got to come up out of that so we can be holy like him. He did it so we can be blameless. Why do we need me to be to be? Why do we need to be blameless? Blameless before men, before women, before boys, before girls. So that way, if they're gonna follow, if you're gonna lead them to Christ. We need to be blameless, not then, but now. Then we was in transgression. But now we need to be blameless before men. And he said he'll do it for us. That he will present you if we stay in the vine. He'll do it for us. You don't ever see an orange tree trying to flex his branches to produce oranges. As long as the orange tree stays in the soil, they connect it to the nutrients in the soil. And they connect it to the moisture and the water in the soil. And that root system is going to produce oranges. And so will you if you can stay connected to the vine. That's why Paul was writing to the Colossians in the Lycus Valley. Hey, don't listen to these heretics. All you need is in Christ. And he says also that he did it so you can be beyond and that means you can be unaccusable before all these no accusation they can bring against you huh think of Daniel as much as they tried to dig up dirt on him there was no true accusation they could bring up all before all men. That's the why. That's why Jesus reconciled us, and that's why He would do the work in us if we let Him, and if we stay rooted in the vine, huh? knowing that all we need is in Christ. He's sovereign. He has the preeminence over all and everybody. And we just need to go to him so we'll know how to pray aright. So I necessarily need, both spiritually and naturally, to be satisfied in him. Thanks to God. Have a good night. Until next week, stay in Christ. God bless you.